This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. Hey, y'all. I just want to remind y'all because it's been a little bit over three weeks, okay? It's been a little bit over three weeks. Trump is now ordering, as in summoning, Federal government workers to go back to work without getting paid. Now, I don't want to hear y'all motherfuckers talking about, oh, but Obama shut down the government for 17 days. Yeah, bitch, for health care. So your grandma could check her blood pressure and you bitches could go check your pussy in the gynecologist with no motherfucking problem. Now, I know a lot of y'all don't care because y'all don't work for the government or y'all probably don't even have a job. But this shit is really fucking serious, bro. Cardi B. Political. Commentator extraordinaire (laughs) yo who needs cnn or fox news the new york times abc or the washington post when you could have cardi b talking about the government and all of the important things going on in this country today (laughs) oh boy anyway what's up people welcome to episode 87 of the moranalytics podcast Coming to you from the Anchor Loop Studio in Bradenton, Florida. Today is Tuesday, January 22nd, 2019. I am Patrick Moran. Coming up on today's show, I have one of the true veterans of the Buffalo sports media. Evan Sylvester will be my guest today. Kevin is a man, dude. That guy has been around and he has done it all on both the radio and television side when it comes to the Buffalo sports market. Of course, he's also made quite the name for himself over the last few years doing PGA Tour radio on Sirius FM as well. We talk about his growing up in Waterloo, New York, sharing a birthday with one of the true legends of the broadcast business, his extremely busy career. I also went on two of his latest projects, the Buffalo Sports page that he does along with co-founder Paul Peck, and the Half Hour Hockey Show he does with Kevin Snow, who's been on this show recently. I'm a big fan of his. We talk a little Buffalo Sabres, and finally, I do bring back the mini lightning round. I have not done it in a while. I'm pumped to have that back. I know it's something that fans really enjoyed, so I put Kevin through that right after my pal Tone Pucks joins for another installment of Pat with Pucks. We talk Championship Sunday in the NFL, AFC and NFC Championships. Try not to marvel too hard at what the Patriots have done again. Come on, though. I mean, it's almost impossible not to. On the other side, Tone is a high school football official, and I get his take on that blown call that cost the New Orleans Saints a trip to the Super Bowl. 
because let's just be real. The referee did not influence the outcome of that game. The referee determined the outcome of that game. It was just an awful call. I get his take and what the NFL may be able to do about it going forward. We also talk a little Buffalo Bills, including potentially using a top 10 pick out of defensive linemen. A move that I'll tell you, I feel much more confident and comfortable with the Bills doing after seeing how important the defensive line was for both the Rams and the Patriots this Sunday. I got no problem with that at this point. Using on an end or a tackle, I'm good with that. We also put a little focus on the tight end position and what maybe Buffalo should do to try to replace Charles Clay, who I'm really highly confident in is about to soon become an ex-Buffalo Bill. He's not going to be here much longer. I get to both of those in just a minute. Before that, though, did you guys hear that post-fight interview that Adrian Broner had with Jim Gray in the ring shortly after Manny Pacquiao just absolutely beat the living shit out of him for 12 rounds. The guy's performance in the ring was just complete trash. But that post-fight interview with Jim Gray was pure gold. Here's a clip from that. Let me let y'all know. I want to thank the whole hood who came out here. I love y'all. I did this for the hood. Y'all know I beat that boy. Y'all know I beat that boy. They trying to, what they trying to do is they trying to get that money again with Pacquiao and um, Floyd, but it's cool. I ain't worrying about it. I'm still that nigga, man. I'm on top Cincinnati. Stand up. West side. Two, five. You're three, three, and one in your last seven fights. What will you do next? Hey, I'm three, three, and one my last seven, but I'll be seven, no against you. Well, that wouldn't mean much. That's the end of this interview. Good luck to you in the future. I mean, listen, Broner got outboxed, outworked, outclassed by Pac-Man for 12 rounds. In fact, it literally could have been a shutout on all the scorecards. Nobody would have complained. Well, no one that is, except for Adrian Broner, who thought he won the fight and felt disrespected by Jim Gray's questions. Especially that whole 3-3-1 three, three, and one in your last seven fight question at the end, which I thought was an awesome, awesome question. <laughs> you know, it would have been like if Nate Peterman threw four interceptions for the Bills and then in the post-game press conference blamed it all on Sal Capaccio or Matthew Fairborn. Seriously, what is Adrian Broder doing complaining? He got his ass whooped. Anyway, interview Great stuff, much better than the fight itself. Anyway, let's get into today's show. Here's that interview with Kevin Sylvester, who I caught in his car on Monday morning before he traveled, followed by some Pat Whippucks. My guest today is one of the busier sports media guys I've ever seen in my life. I barely know where to begin. He's the co-creator of the Buffalo Sports Page with Paul Peck. He's co-host of the Half Hour Hockey Show with Kevin Snow. He does radio work for the PGA Tour. A lot of golf stuff. He's an author. I'm sure I'm forgetting many things as well. I, of course, am talking about Kevin Sylvester. What's going on, Kevin? How you doing? Good. You forgot guest on your show. so and That's probably the most the important resume. one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, right, it is right now, so yes. <laughs> All right. I'm glad to have you on. I've wanted to get you on for a while. It's hard to get a hold of you. You're very busy, completely understandable. While I have you on, I kind of want to go back to the same format that I do with most of my sports media guests, and that's giving fans an opportunity to know a little bit more about you, 
that maybe they may not have known. So to do that, I want to go back to the beginning. You were born in Dunkirk, New York, but you grew up in Waterloo. What was it like growing up in Waterloo? Well, yeah, you know, it's a, a, a cool place uh, to grow up, a nice small town. You know, I was born in Dunkirk, uh, and little known, I don't know, little known fact for those who like minutia, uh, you know, Van Miller's from Dunkirk, although he's born in Buffalo, but he grew up in Dunkirk. Van Miller and I share the same birthday, the late, great Van Miller, and we discovered it, or at least I discovered it, when I was working with him on the Bills Radio Network. It was like a Jets game, and someone said, hey, Van, happy birthday, and, you know, it was, it was in, you know, November, late November, and I said, hey, Van, when was your birthday? He goes, ah, it's yesterday, and I said, really, my birthday is yesterday. I said, ah, come on, get out of here, Kevin, baby. He used to call me Kevin, baby. I, I love it. I love it, man. Uh, you know, badge of honor. And I pulled up my driver's license. I go, there it is, man. He's like, wow. And I go, yeah, Dunkirk, too. He's like, well, I was born in Buffalo, but, you know, Dunkirk's a great place to be from. And I said, yeah, my, my mom's family's from Fredonia, so we lived in Fredonia for the first year of my life. Short stint in West Seneca, then my father got transferred to Geneva. So I grew up in Waterloo, New York, you know, small town, the Finger Lakes. And it was great. It was, you know, small town. I my graduating class, there was 160 of us in a graduating class, so very small. I don't make it back there often enough. Uh, matter of fact, I, I was just there about a month ago. A dear friend of mine, her father passed away, and uh, he was great to me growing up. So I went back for that. It was my first time back in 15 years, and it was great to see a lot of family and friends uh, just in for the day for there. But um, I, I love Waterloo, very fond memories of that place, and probably should go back more often. Now, you obviously love playing sports growing up. At what point did sports announcing come into the equation for you as a child where you said to yourself, I could see myself growing up and wanting to be involved in this business? Well, it's when I uh, learned I was too slow um, <laughs> and didn't pitch fast enough to make the majors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I know high school, uh, you know, I, I, I started to, I would, I would tape. Uh, on VHS, all the sportscasts to watch the highlights. And then I pictured myself uh, calling the highlights and, uh, you know, doing Dick Vitale impersonations. And matter of fact, one of the, I used to tape Channel 5 out of Syracuse because we, Waterloo, we did both Rochester and Syracuse television. But I watched Syracuse all the time because I was a big Syracuse Orange fan. And I, I, and I told this sportscaster, hey, I grew up watching you. And he got mad that I said grew up watching him because he's, he's not much older than I am. Uh, but Mike Tirico, he was an anchor, a uh, sports anchor on, uh, I don't know, I wasn't just at WSTM, but he was a sports anchor on Channel 5 in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And so I used to tape his sportscast all the time. He used to do a sports extra show on Saturday nights. And so I used to tape that and realize I'd want to do that. And I loved, uh, you know, watching. I used to watch college basketball uh, for Billy Packer. I just, I, I loved Billy Packer. Um, what he used to do, and I know he was, you know, some people, you know, love or hate guy, but I used—I was one of the few guys who watched the games for the announcers. So <laughs> it was in high school when I really got into it. Why did you choose to go to SUNY Fredonia for college? I always am interested in knowing how and why you guys ended up going to where you went to. Well, you know, that's—I uh, didn't want to go to Fredonia. I never even looked at it. I remember my uncle telling me it. Thanksgiving when I was looking at schools and I was looking at Syracuse, looking at Ithaca, Oswego. And, uh, you know, he, he told Hey, you know, Fredoni's got a communication program. And I'm like, Oh, you mean the college that you take me to Bill's training camp every summer? I'd spend two weeks in Fredoni every summer at my grandmother's house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my parents dumping me off and my uncle would always take me to training camp uh, for the bills. And he's like, yeah, they, they've got a communication program. Well, 
when I looked at the finances and realized that Syracuse wasn't going to happen because of money, uh, Ithaca, I actually had a chance to play football there. Um, I was a center, a center and you know, finances there. And I didn't, I didn't want to put on all the weight, do all the work, uh, you know, football. And I, you know, I knew I was marginal. Uh, I was 200 pound center. Like I was going to gain 60 pounds. Right. A little bit. I know I gained 60 pounds in college, but the wrong way. But anyway, um, (laughs) I chose, I chose Fredonia. I I went there for, uh, you know, a visit and, you know, asked, you know, asked students, Hey, you know, who does the basketball games here? Who does the hockey games? They're like, ah, we got one guy who does the games. And when speaking about it uh, with my father, uh, he, by the way, wasn't that keen on me becoming uh, an announcer. He wanted me to become an accountant like him. And he just, he just said, Hey, um, you know, I think you can do more sooner at Fredonia, the college media, like doesn't seem like anybody's uh, doing any of these things that you want to do. And I think you could have a greater impact a whole lot quicker. And boy, was he right. I mean, my, <laughs> this is, this is no joke. My first day on campus went over the uh, college radio station, which by the way, I almost didn't go my first semester because I had mono and, uh, wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was, uh, but I ended up going. And so and I was, cause I was going to play baseball for Donnie. I was, I was a decent player. I was going to play baseball. couldn't play in the fall. So I went over and said, I might as well get involved in a radio station. And I went and said, Hey, uh, I'm Kevin Sylvester. I'd like to do sports. And the news director who's a student says, great. You're on this afternoon. I go, excuse me. Yeah. We got a newscast at five. You're going to do a sports. I'd never done a sports update before. Thank God. I taped all those Mike Tirico <laughs> newscasts. So I had some sort of idea how to put together uh, a sports cast, but you know, to kind of forward that story about having an impact, you know, my freshman year, uh, I did every men's basketball game on the student radio station. Uh, I did a couple of hockey games, and the guy who was doing them, uh, he was a senior, so he was like, "Hey, when, when I'm gone, you know, it's up to you." And there was, uh, you know, two other guys, Dave, my buddy Dave, my buddy Keith, the three of us. We did all the men's and women's basketball games, and then we moved on and did all hockey, all basketball. We we're the only guys doing it at college. So much so, our senior year, Fredonia made the uh, field of 64 in division three, first time they made the NCAA tournament forever. They had to play at Ithaca. So, you know, and I, I wanted to go to Ithaca. That was my second choice or would have been my first choice. Really. It wasn't money and the whole football thing, but we're, we're setting up in the press box at Ithaca and the announcers say, Hey guys, uh, you know, they introduce themselves from the Ithaca student station and they say, Hey, what game is this for you? And I go, what do you mean? What game? And I said, well, this is our, this is our first game we've ever done. First game. I go, excuse me. And they're like, yeah, we're seniors. Our first game we've ever done. I go, really? Like, yeah, there's a hundred guys in our sports department, in our student station. How about you? I go, you're looking at it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no. So here's the best part of this. Here's the best part of this. So, uh, fast forward several years when I'm announcing for the Sabres and the Oilers are playing in Buffalo. And I go down to say hello to, um, their announcer. and um, Jack and his last name is eluding uh, me right now, but it, it doesn't it doesn't matter uh, at this point. But so we're we're talking to each other. And he goes, "Yeah, actually, I'm uh, you know I'm not I'm, I'm from not far here. I went to school in Ithaca." And I go, "Really?" Like, yeah. I go, "Where well, did you graduate?" He goes, ah, "I graduated in '95." Uh, I go, "I go." I said, "Huh?" So I went to Fredonia, graduated '95. He goes, "Oh, we played uh, in college basketball." I, I announced the game. I go, "Wait a second. 
You and I, was that the only game you did? He goes, yeah. I go, I announced the game for Fredonia that day. Wow. <laughs> it was a <laughs> small world, you know, pretty funny how, uh, <laughs> how the world's collided there again in the NHL. Sure. Now, you've been in the sports broadcast business for over two decades now. A lot of it, you know, you were at WGR, you went to WBN, back to WGR, they changed owners, you worked for the Charlotte Hornets radio network, came back to WGR again. On the radio side, what was that experience like for you working at these stations? Had to be well, different, you know, I'm it, sure. It, yeah, well, yeah, it was, you know, my first five years in radio, um, you know, you mentioned GR, BEN, back to GR. My, my first five years, uh, we had five different owners of stations. That's it was crazy. crazy. It was in that, yeah, the deregulation thing, you know, where they just kept getting bought and sold. And really the annoying part was they had to change healthcare plans and 401ks every year, but it was all the, all the, <laughs> yeah. Same, yeah, all the same managers, uh, and such. So, you know, that was, uh, that was interesting. You know, it's, um, when GR went, uh, you know, I got, it's funny. I had an interview to go to BEN in 97, even though they're owned by the same company and the, the guy, <laughs> So I got the job. So it was like a, a, a transfer, but they're still kind of competing. And then they merged uh, again, made GR all sports, uh, which by the way, here's something. I don't know if you ever heard this had a uh, home run throwback not happened. The Monday after that game, GR was going to go all sports. It was going to be immediate. Wow. Um, but because yeah, because they lost, uh, it got delayed uh, a little bit, but they were going to go all in because the bills are going to be on this great playoff run. Um, so uh, we got moved to GR all sports. I did mornings there. And then uh, Bob gone and I did a show from 10 to noon, which by the way, the first ratings book, we were the highest rating show they had, but, um, I got contacted by somebody I knew in Charlotte said, Hey, you interested in coming down here? Panthers moved. You can work on the Hornets broadcast. And I went down and just said, you know what? I'm going to get an opportunity there that I'm not going to get a GR because we just changed things. And uh, I went and it was great. I'm glad, so glad I, I moved out of market to work. Uh, and it was only for two years. I got everybody, so ah, it didn't work out. I go, that's actually not true. Um, I got an opportunity to host mornings at GR. And matter of fact, Bill White, who was my program director there, uh, pulled me in his office. He knew they were talking about bringing me back. My wife and I just bought a house. We were expecting our first child. And this is, this was awesome advice. And this is why I still think touch with Bill to this day. And matter of fact, he's in Buffalo um, back in August. And I went out and had some beers with him. Uh, um, he said to me, he goes, look, it won't match any offer. We want to keep you here. Okay. Uh, we, we love what you're doing. Like, great. Go shut the door. So I shut the door. He goes, go. I go, oh, excuse me. I go, you just said to me that you want to keep me. He goes, we do. But I'm telling you as a friend, I think you should go because you're not going to, get a chance to be a morning show host here for 15 years. And then you're going to start chasing stuff all over the country. And that won't be good for your, for your family life. Wow. You're expecting your first child go home. And you know what? It's some of the best advice I ever got. And I can't thank him enough. So that's why I, want, I mentioned it here uh, publicly because it was just awesome. And I thanked him uh, when I saw him again uh, this summer, just I said, thank you for sending me back home. Yeah, that's solid advice. You started doing broadcast work for the Sabres in 2005. You did that for about 11 years. What was that experience like for you? I'd say a lot of casual Buffalo sports fans, maybe not diehards, but casual sports fans. I feel like 
that's probably where maybe they got to know you the most. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I I think you know from being on being on television, and you know they took a they took a risk um, by hiring me. The uh, you know <laughs> it's funny. I'll tell you how I I got there. So I came back to Buffalo as a GR. Was there two and a half years and got fired uh, right after election. You know we. <laughs> we were pushing a direction to talk politics when stuff was going on in the County and I would fight it. Uh, and it just wasn't, the show wasn't working and we got canned and it was one of those things where we were expecting our second child. My wife was a stay at home mom. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I come home and I go, you got a baby two in a month. My health insurance is running out of a month here and I just got fired. Uh, and, but it was the biggest relief because it just, it just wasn't working. Uh, they would tell you that I, I say it now at the time, I'm like, ah, you know, what am I going to do? But I got called by the Sabres that day, uh, by Larry Quinn said, Hey, we want to hire you. Uh, but we're in a lockout. I'm like, okay. He goes, so don't not take anything, but just know that we, we want you to be our television host. Now I'd only done a little bit of TV and, but they just believed I could do it. You know? So, um, I, I went on, I got hired in the spring. I had another job with them where I was director of amateur athletics and I, I booked college basketball games, worked on the NCAA tournament. That was part of my gig. Then I was a lockout and then I became uh, the television host. And it was awesome because the team, nobody expected anything. And all of a sudden we we're the surprise darling to the national hockey league and everybody watched the game. Right. Everybody. Watched. I mean, I couldn't go to Wegmans. It was, I'm taking pictures of people in Wegmans. I'm like, I'm, I'm not even playing. I'm just the guy on TV. I'm <laughs> yeah. not. Right. You know, I'm, I remember when the verses would take the games, the playoff games that we couldn't do Mike Robitaille and I would go out and do an intermission show for the 5,000 fans out there. And it was like being a rock star. They walk out of stage and the place erupts. I'm like, we're just like, we're just out here to tell you what happened to the game. It was crazy, crazy good time. And uh, people still call me the Sabres guy. And, um, uh, it's a, it's a huge compliment. You know, I did the television and fill in play by play for Generette for seven years. And then things shifted where, uh, they wanted to change things, the, the new management. And they asked me to do this radio show. And so I did it, but, um, I, I, I wanted to do more obviously. And I had this opportunity in golf that presented itself and, you know, it's all freelance, but I started to get more and more opportunities and I, I just found myself more drawn to it. And we, we found an agreeable exit ramp and now I'm working for PJ Tour radio, but my time with the Sabres was, it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. I should have asked you this before, because over the last handful of years, you've definitely become known for golf as much as anything. When did you first become a big fan of golf? What point in your adult life did you decide that you know, you desire to do work and make this part of your professional career with golf. Well, it was actually when I started working at BEN. So it was a couple of years at the college. I started, I started playing golf just recreationally in college. And when I was working at WBEN, so I was probably 24 years old. So it'd be 97. So spring of 98, I was hosting Lindy Ruff's radio show. Uh, his first year coaching the Sabres. I used to host a show on Monday nights. Uh, I look at now what I did, man. I did mornings. I get up at three in the morning, three thirty in the morning. 
at Anchor Sports in the morning on the morning show from you know five to nine. I go cover something. I come back at night and I host these radio shows. I work the split shift. It was crazy. That's For, crazy. I think my I think I think my salary was twenty six thousand dollars. How stupid is that? But yeah. anyway, <laughs> um, so which is still a starting salary in radio. But anyway, um, uh, so I'd host Lenny Ruff's show and a show with Larry Felzer. And uh, I mean, you talk about treat. I also did Marv Levy's radio show and John Butler, like as a 20, you know, somebody who's 25 years old, 24, 25 years old. I mean, I just, I look, I pinch myself. Yeah, like, it's it, huge. It, it wasn't ex- yeah, what an experience. But so I was doing the shows, L- Lindy Ruff show, and we were talking one day in the office with a, a program director. And I said, I go, what are you going to do when Lindy shows doing? It's like, I don't know. I said, Hey, I, you know, I'd like to try a golf show. He's like a golf show. Yeah. Golf show. Like you're thinking about golf. I says, yeah, I'm a, I've become an avid golfer. And what I want to do is I want to go out and interview the, the pros at the local golf courses, uh, to find out about the golf courses. And I also want to have a golf professional on, and I know a guy and it'll take calls on how to play better golf. Like people are going to call in for this. I go, yeah. He's like, all right, we'll, we'll give it a shot. No problem. Go ahead. And then we got a write up in Sal Mayorana from the Rochester DNC. He used to write these little blurbs for PGA magazine for the Western New York section. He goes, it's just a small thing. Kevin, tell me about your show. I, I call him and tell him about it. He calls me back the next day. He goes, they say, the editor wants a full back page display. Can you send me a photo? So my father was an amateur photographer. He came in and took a photo of us doing the show. All of a sudden, we're the back page of PGA magazine. And my boss is getting called by all these stations around the country asking him, how, you do, how do you do the show? And had I known then what I know now, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd probably, I'd be a, a whole lot richer. Let's just put it that way. Because um, all these people started doing shows and we just, you know, gave away the information instead of saying, hey, why don't we just syndicate the show? Why don't we just do this? Um, so, uh, you know, to make a long story short, uh, you know, back when I was 24 years old, 25 years old, I, I figured out that I want to do something with golf. And after doing uh, television with Sabres, I had a college buddy. I started a tea to green TV show on Channel 2. I convinced them to you know, let me buy some airtime. And we produced 13-week uh, run episodes. And we still do a uh, spring special on Channel 2 in Buffalo and still do a radio show on GR on Saturday mornings. And that also, that helped get me uh, the chance to do PGA Tour Radio. Do you get an opportunity to do a decent amount of traveling with PGA Tour Radio? Yeah, last year I did 10 events for them. Um, I've already, you know, I just got back uh, this past week from uh, Hawaii tough assignment to work the first two tournaments in Hawaii. Yeah, so tough. Um, <laughs> but, and, and I have a pretty healthy schedule uh, this first half of the year, which is nice because it gets me out of Buffalo in the winter. Right. So, you know, we're scheduled, we'll schedule through uh, the U.S. Open and um, fingers crossed, so hopefully it continues to increase for me every year. Well, we've got a great crew, a nice mix of uh, announcers like me and former champions on the PGA tour. So it's really uh, an eclectic group from all over the country and internationally. And it's, uh, I pinch myself every time I'm in there between the ropes, walking with a group calling the play by play of professional golf. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm here with Kevin Sylvester. I want to add on two other of your current projects. One of them, Buffalo sports page, started that with Paul Peck. 
Tell me how that got started. I mean, you and Paul are two of the more well-known Buffalo sports media personalities. How did that come about? Well, uh, I saw Paul uh, after a UB basketball game, oh gosh, uh, just about a, over yeah, a year ago, in 2018. And, you know, he, he had gone into the financial sector and had been there about three and a half years and decided he didn't love it. And he said, so I'm looking to get back into some sports casting. And I said, well, you know, it's funny. I'm looking to fill some gaps here. You know, uh, I, I do PGA tour events. So it's hard to, it's hard to find a full-time job when you need to be gone 10 to 15 weeks a year. Right. And also, you know, at our stages of our career, um, you know, there's only a few jobs that, uh, are out there for us. Anybody stays in Buffalo really. And nobody wants to bring on, let's just put it this way. It's hard to find full-time work at, at our advanced stages of our career. I sound like we're 80, but, <laughs> but <Right>. anyway, so <laughs> I, I know said, what you mean. Why though. don't we create, yeah. Why don't we create something and, and see where this goes? Now this is, this is right before the athletics started. Uh, you know, so we decided, all right, let, let's try it. Let's give it a go. And, you know, we decided to create buffalosportspage.com. Now the newspaper uh, was dying and still is. And we figured, okay, there's a spot for us. And I was amazed at how many people reached out to us that wanted to uh, write for us and uh, be a part of what we're doing. And it's been an interesting uh, project because it's changed. You know, we first were a subscription and, you, you can be a member, but, uh, you know, we've opened everything up, but people are members. They, you know, we'll do an event with them. And so, you know, so they get their money's worth of that. But we found that the revenue is more in, in sponsorships, uh, for people who come to that. And, uh, it, it's always evolving. It's amazing to me. You know, I, I could write the, I felt like that was the greatest thing I ever wrote about Jim Kelly. And uh, when it, you know, it was announced he, he was going back for another bout with cancer and, and, and thank God he is cancer free right now. Um, but you know, that, that doesn't get as many reads as, uh, Billy Gaffney, Ben Hogan's record at Brookfield country club. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. And as you, as I'm sure you're fine on a podcast, you're like, you, you know, you may think, Hey, you know, I, I just, I had Kevin Snow, uh, what a great podcast. And you know, man, I thought you're like 10,000 people would listen to that. Well, instead 2000 did. And then you might do something with Barney Fife. I don't know why that name just came to mind, but Barney Fife and, uh, that gets 50,000, right? You yeah, know? that's <laughs> happened. Oh, not Barney Fife, but yeah, I've had similar things. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're enjoying it. Uh, you know, he's someone that I, I respected, um, you know, through all the years. Uh, you know, I, I can't say we were, we were great friends, but we were friends. He's just always somebody that I respected the way he carried himself, how he treated me. And, uh, he, he's been a good partner. I'm going to ask you this, and this is tied into the Half Hour Hockey Show as well, not just from a business side, but from a creative side, having the ability to have a vision with something and do what you want to do with it. How important is that? Because like with the Half Hour Hockey Show, you mentioned Kevin Snow. I'm a fan of his. He's been on this podcast. I really like that show a lot. You guys have had some really good guests on recently. Danny Breer, Richard Deitch, who's done this podcast as well. You've had really good guests good topics, good conversation. How important is it to you? Again, not just from the business side of it, but from a creative aspect to be able to have your direction and do it the way that you want to do it. 
Well, yeah, that's what everybody wants, right? I mean, sure. uh, I, I, I think I think of actors. I'll use Daniel Radcliffe as an example, right? Harry Potter. So uh, as a kid actor, he plays Harry Potter, plays as an adult. You know, it kind of feels like, all right, he's got to do it. And he made, he's made oodles of money and will continue to make oodles of money from being Harry Potter. So what movies has he done since then? And then one where he's got horns, uh, you know, <laughs> he goes on stage. He's doing all the stuff that he wants to do. Um, so I, I think anybody who becomes established, I think it's, you know, it's important to them to keep them going that, hey, you do the things that you need to do, right, to make a living survive but it's important to do things though you know what you want to do have that creative outlet uh, you know I'll, I'll give a sports casting example joe buck all right joe buck tried that show on hbo um artie lang that old artie lang thing killed it right mm-hmm. um but that was something joe buck wanted to try something that he wanted to do and people kill him for it I don't kill him for it. I, you know, I, I give him credit for having the courage to go out there and try something that he wanted to do. He just, uh, you know, whoever booked Artie Lang, that was a, that was a bad choice. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> the way it wants. Matter of fact, Jay Moore, I don't know if you heard Jay, Jay Moore had Joe Buck on a podcast about it and it was very blunt with him and caught him right off and said, Joe, no, shut up. You, 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 you went down to his level and he's like, this is where you failed at that. And finally Buck's like, nah, you're right. So it was me, uh, but this platform is great. That's what's great about podcasting. You know, we don't have to take a break. We don't have to uh, make sure we get traffic and weather together on the tens. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> none of those things you can have uh, conversations. Uh, you can talk about anything and people uh, can go to it and they'll listen to it uh, here and there. I listen to a ton of podcasts uh, when I travel on planes uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy the format. I enjoy you. I think you do a great job of your podcast. That's why I was, I was thrilled when he asked me uh, yeah. to come on. So Thanks. I, appreciate I think that. it's, I, 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 yeah, I think it's important. And I, I think, um, it's, we have all these new, our media stars because of it. Before I let you go and we wind down with the mini lightning round, I do want to draw from your Sabres expertise. I got a couple Sabres related questions for you. They're on their buy right now with the all-star breaking that stuff. They're not playing again to the 29th. They are just 4-9-1 and one in their last 14. At the end of November, they led the NHL in points. As of we're taping this on Monday, they're four points out of a playoff spot. Do you feel like the season is slipping away, or do you still have confidence that they're going to be able to turn it around after this long break? Feels like it could go either way right now to me. Well, yeah, it, it could go either way. And, you know, someone's just asking me, actually, at the uh, – the hardware store grabbing something the other day and the uh i still go to a hardware store by the way um but (laughs) that's different yeah you're you're in the minority there buddy well hector's yeah okay okay um yeah asking me hey man what's going on here and i said well here's the thing they had carter hutton uh and omar they played great the goaltending was great during that stretch and carter hutton um, there's a reason why he's been a uh, career backup and has had, had flashes. But I'm not saying the guy's bad. I'm just saying the guy played above uh, where he's known to be. Now, that that could come back and continue a la Tim Thomas, right, uh, with the Boston Bruins, right, a very sure. late bloomer in his career. But we're talking about one guy, right? But still possible, and, and I hope it does because uh, Hutton's a, a good dude. Um, but 
the goaltending was well above where it's shown historically. The 10 game winning streak, seven games were in extra time, two via overtime, five via the shootout. Now, that, that is not, uh, oh, I may have those backwards, but seven of them were in extra time. That's abnormal. So, unable to sustain that and some injuries, I still think this team is, uh, needs help on the blue line. And by help, I mean half of the blue line. I still think they need help uh, there. So I, I didn't think the team would make the playoffs at the beginning of the season. I just felt uh, gaining 30 or more points was a huge leap, uh, doable. But they're not going to do it if they can't find someone who can score besides Jeff Skinner. Yeah. And they haven't. We're, almost, we're half a season into it. They haven't found anybody to do it consistently here. And everybody's wanting wants Botterill to make a trade here, but I, I, you know, I wouldn't give up a whole lot to try to patch something that we don't know yet. And I think it's very fair to say we don't know sure. uh, what this team is here. Um, I, you know, they're they're growing. They're still young. They're more fun to watch <laughs> this year, which is a good thing. Yeah. But I just think I think it was I think that ten game streak was fool's gold. One more Sabres question. I've asked this to a few others on this show. I want to ask you as well. If the Sabres continue to fall off this dramatically after such a promising first few months of the season, I mean, the 10-game winning streak, like I said, being on top of the NHL at one point, do you think Bill Housley's job status is a legitimate discussion worth having when the season ends, if they miss the playoffs? Or do you think no matter what happens, he's going to be back for year three? Well, I, I, I think... I, I, you know, I, I, I hate to be like a fence guy here, right? But I think you need to see how it goes and how they compete down the stretch here. I mean, this is when, when they come back from this break, this is when the good teams ramp it up another notch and make that push. And if they make the push and, and fall short, then, you know, you keep them around, right? But if they continue just to slide and slide and slide and slide, then you may have to make a change here. But here's the other thing to, to consider. You, you drafted a defenseman number one overall, offensive defenseman. I mean, who better to coach the guy than Phil Housley right uh, here? So, uh, and, you know, you changed a coach perhaps prematurely because, um, you know, he wasn't a player's guy. I don't know. I, I, you can't coddle these guys anymore. Um, especially, I'm talking about Michael and, and Reinhardt and, the other young players in Dowling. I mean, you've got to put the best coaches pushed to get the best out of their players. They've got to, got to be pushed. And Housley, you know, remember, he's a guy who came in at the same time those guys came in the league as teenagers. So I, I think he was close to being one of the perfect guys to coach that team. Um, so I, I think it just depends on how they progress. Doesn't matter to me if they make the playoffs or not. It's how, how they get to the end, no matter where that ends up. All right, good stuff. We're going to end with the mini lighting round. I'm kind of excited. I haven't done this in a handful of weeks. I haven't had the right guest on, but you're here, so we're definitely going to do it. I'm just going to ask you a handful of random questions, not a lot of deep thought required. Whatever the first thing that pops in your head, that's your answer. Cool with that? Sure. All right. Favorite non-sports-related activity to do in golf doesn't count. You can't say golf. Um. Drinking bourbon. Nice. All right. I don't even need to ask any more questions. We could reach it. Yeah, not excessively. Yeah, not excessively, but I just, I I enjoy bourbon. 
So, you know, I, you know, nothing crazy, just, <laughs> I enjoy trying new ones and, uh, I become an aficionado. That's so. really cool, man. Favorite city to visit. Ooh, favorite city. How, how about I give you a favorite city to visit in the national hockey league? There we go. Uh, I'll take for, it. Cause people, cause yeah, cause people ask me like, Oh, where should I go a road trip on? And I'll tell you, uh, you got to go to game in Montreal and believe it or not, Boston. So those, those are my, those are, those are my favorite two, uh, to go to in the national hockey league. Okay. Who's the most entertaining fellow Buffalo sports media member, you know, and I'm sure by now you've pretty much have met and know them all. Who's the most entertaining to you? Most entertaining. Wow. Like someone you really enjoy um, being around. They got good stories or funny. Wow. I don't like anybody. No. <laughs> um, can it be, can it be, uh, it's gotta be a sports guy, right? Yeah. Not, or Gail, right? Or Gail, Not, sure. Well, it's Rob Ray. It's Rob Ray, hands down. Rob Ray is, man, <laughs> that's just, Rob is, he's a pisser, man. He is just so much fun <laughs> to be around. And just, uh, you know, it, it's, by the way, the first, I, the first year I worked, uh, with him and Roby, I think they both hated me and I probably hated them. And then uh, the next year is completely different. Um, I guess I earned their respect and, uh, we started having a lot of fun after that. And once I realized that I had to bust Rob's balls back, um, I, I was able to, you know, stay there at home my own because Rob's a ball buster and loves it. He does it on the air. If you watch the games, right. Uh, he, he takes shots at people. Rob loves, uh, just loves that. And, uh, it's, it's a sign of acceptance when he busts your chops and, uh, love to bust him back. And he's just, he's funny. Matter of fact, I, that <laughs> we had a bus ride back from, um, Toronto. I know this is lightning route, but I got to tell the story. Oh, go we had ahead, a bus ride back it. from to, to Toronto to Buffalo. And we we're dropping Jenneretta off at his house in Niagara Falls. And, um, we, <laughs> Harry, <laughs> Harry Neal just starts telling stories on the bus. And we had a couple of, of pops on the bus ride back. And we got stuck at the border. There was two Greyhound buses of uh, um, tourists uh, from other countries that were getting up. And, and they, they, the customs said, hey, guys, it's going to be a while. So Harry grabs the microphone and just starts telling stories and holding court. And Rob Ray was in tears. I, I never saw Rob laugh so hard. It was so funny. And I just wish I could remember everything. Like Harry's just throwing off jokes, telling stories about old players, telling his Gordy Howe stories from when he coached them, just all these things. And I, it was just one of those moments that you wish you had on tape uh, to go back and listen to. But it's one of those, there's only six of us on that bus. And it was the best trip ever. Um, just to see Harry and Rob interact with each other <laughs> and, and in tears. Rob Ray definitely seems like the kind of guy that can make you laugh. Somebody that you really want to get to know. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Oh, he's, I mean, and, and you know, he just, he, he is, uh, he's down to earth. Great with kids. He's just, uh, he's one of the, he's one of the most genuine people uh, that I know. Do you have a favorite sports movie? Oh, favorite sports movie. Well, I, I, you know, I feel like I have to say Tin Cup or Caddyshack uh, right now, or I've got to say uh, uh, Slap Shot. But I'm going to say Major League. 
And I'll tell you why I say major league, because that came out when I was playing high school baseball and, uh, it, you know, three of our guys in our team got, uh, Rick Dorn, uh, not, uh, no, yeah, Vaughn, uh, haircuts, you know, yeah. <laughs> wild thing haircuts. And yeah. we knew every line from the movie and, uh, we'd say them all in practice. So that, you know, major league is my favorite. If you had never gotten involved in sports or radio in any capacity, or if you did, and it just didn't work out at all, what do you think you may have went on to do with your life? Do you think you go that accounting route that you mentioned that your dad wanted you to do, or do you think you would have done something else? I think I would have done something else. Uh, I probably would have been, um, you know, something in business. I would, I would have I started my own business um, or I've done financial planning, something like that. Okay, cool. Second last question here. If Twitter were to send you a note and say, hey, Kevin, we got brand new policy. We're only allowing you to follow one person or one handle on Twitter. One only. What would it be? Oh, really? I know it's tough. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll do, uh, but, but can this handle retweet? So can I get access to other things that retweet? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I, I'm going to say, and this could be controversial. Um, cause you know, I don't love everything they do, but some of it's damn funny. And I love his, I, I, I love his pizza reviews. Um, I think that, <laughs> I, I think know where you're going. <laughs> yeah. Barstool sports. Right. You know, so I'll say that cause I think that encompasses, uh, Portnoy also. Right. Yeah. So, um, and, and some people in my profession, like, how could you say that they're irreverent, you know, the, the credibility is not there. Lighten up. Okay, yeah. you know, it's entertaining. Like, I mean, no, I, listen, I agree with you yeah. 100%. I love those pizza reviews and they do some crazy shit. It's actually, I enjoy it a lot. They're, I, yeah. I, I might be there right there with you. They'd be one of my top choices as well. So, yeah, yeah. The, the pizza review thing is we got to get them to Buffalo to do it. Yeah, so, yeah. There's some great, great pizza joints here. All right. Last one here. Three dead or guests from any era, dead or alive, doesn't matter who you got. Three people. And this is from sports, right? Anywhere. It doesn't matter. It could be a famous Anyone. person. It could be a sports person. Doesn't matter. Anyone you want. Anyone I want to dinner. Any era. Yep. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Ronald Reagan. Okay. Cause I, I just think it would be fascinating to hear about Hollywood and being a leader of the free world. Agreed. Um, and so I, I think he would be fascinating and a great communicator, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> so I figure I could learn something about Ronald Reagan. Plus, uh, because he was a president, uh, I don't think they charge us. So I think dinner would be on the house. <laughs> so I, 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 you know, that's the media guy and be saying, okay, we need to, uh, need to, to bring that out there. I would want Howard Cosell at the dinner. And I, I just, I was a fan of Howard Cosell when I was a kid. And, um, you know, I just loved, he, he was also part of it, you know, the whole boxing and everything and Monday night football. And by the way, he's got a great book that I think it was published in 91 called what's wrong with sports. And it projected a lot of things that ended up happening in sports, uh, from Howard Cosell. So, uh, I would pick Ronald Reagan, Howard Cosell, and I got to pick one more. Um, I'm going to pick Jackie Robinson. Okay. And I'm going to pick Jackie Robinson because I'd want to hear all the stuff that we didn't hear that he went through yeah. uh, to, to, to pave the way. And so I, I think, you know, that would be 
That would be fascinating. How they all, you know, then all of a sudden you'd have a holocaust call say, Jackie Robinson, please tell me, you know, <laughs> you know about this or that. Uh, you know, so uh, th- those are three. And honestly, um, before you even ask that question, those are three that I never thought I'd say. So um, I-, I find that I think it'd be pretty interesting. All right, everyone, give Kevin a follow on Twitter at Kev Sylvester. Keep up with all of his work. That's definitely, that should be the one-stop place. That's probably the best place I could tell everyone to go because you got everything up there. Be sure to check out Buffalo Sports Page and Half Hour Hockey Show. I'll include links to both of those in the show notes. Thanks a lot, Kevin. This was an interview I've been looking forward to doing for quite a while. It's good having you on. This was fun. Hey, it's great to be on. I really appreciate you having me on because, you know, we talked about my favorite subject, me. (laughs) 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 Take care. Pat with Pucks. Are you a big man? Pop! I'm talking to you! What? You wake up in the morning, you say, I put on my big boy pants! Look, I'm wearing a belt! I got big boy pants on! <laughs> oh my god, that is funny! Okay, do not worry. All of your questions are about to be answered. Cell phones and pagers off. So the original plan was to do our Pat with Pucks taping on Monday night. Typically, that's what we do with this segment. But I'll tell you what, those football games, both of them, they were so riveting, not just riveting. They were so emotionally driven, no matter what horse you had in the race, or even if you didn't have a horse in the race, those games were just so compelling and emotional that I decided that let's not wait till Monday night when we might have a little bit of too much time for retrospective and, and, you know, to relax. I want that heat of the moment, how you're feeling right now following these games type of conversation today. So here we are. We're taping this on a Sunday night. Dude, what a day of football. I mean, come on, man. Dude, I could not wait to run downstairs into the bunker and jump on the mic with you following that Rex Burkhead touchdown. I am chomping at the bit. I expect this to be my best performance ever. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to start this right away with a unpopular opinion slash hot take. Don't know how people are going to react to it, but I'm going to be truthful here. I woke up on Sunday morning, just like pretty much every other Bills fan, looking forward to Kansas City beating the shit out of Tom Brady, making it a miserable day for New England. Like I said, just like everyone else. But I'm going to be honest with you, man. By the time that fourth quarter came around, it might have been like even involuntarily, but I found myself starting to root for New England, starting to root for Tom Brady to get it done. I mean, this guy's the greatest quarterback who's ever lived. I'm watching him play. I'm going to tell my grandkids someday about this guy. I was just admiring it so much that by that fourth quarter, I kind of sort of became a Tom Brady fan and I was rooting for it. Again, I know that's unpopular. I kind of compare it to Rocky IV. You know, when Rocky goes to Russia and all the Russians hate his guts, but the guy just goes out there and does what he does, and he does it so well that by the end of the fight, the fans in Russia, they started chanting Rocky, and next thing you know, they're Rocky Balboa fans. That's kind of how I felt about Tom Brady on Sunday, if I'm being completely and utterly honest with you. Uh, You know, out there... There were two teams killing each other, but I guess that's better than 20 million. 
Where, 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 where's he come up with it? Was it 20 million or 50 million? I don't remember. I, I, I don't remember. But for whatever reason, I just Fucking kept thinking of- he's fighting into 20 million people are killing each other. Whatever. It's a pretty good take. I, I also just, you know, for, for, for people that might misinterpret my, my opening statement, I'd like to translate that and make sure that it's known that I am completely inconvenienced by the same day championship game taping. All right. You know, more so than, than I'm usually inconvenienced by you, but I'll do what I can, you know, to offer a, a, a tidbit or two. And um, as far as the new England game goes, I, you know, I, I can't really get behind that theory that you have or that take uh, while I like it. I just, they've never been the evil empire to me. I've always been completely uh, respectful of their dynasty, appreciative of the fact that their dynasty comes, you know, through my town once a year, every single year that I've had a, a front row seat for it. Um, sure. Do, you know, do I hate the fact that it's probably, you know, the number one, factor in the drought and all that stuff uh, of course you know that's annoying but you know long before this I, I i put this quarterback this coach and this team at the very top of every single list and if it's going to get slayed one day let it be slayed by my team all right not by the quarterback that I could have taken. And the only thing I would have fucking heard about all off season, had he been, been the one to beat Tom Brady and then go on to win the Super Bowl. So I'm perfectly fine with the outcome. It was deserved. They're dope. They run when they got to run. They throw when they got to throw. They take the, the best of analytics, the best of, of, of football, football guys, and they just do what it takes to win. They're incredible. Nine Super Bowls in 18 years. That's, God, that's so hard to even be able to fathom. And they seem to do it all sorts of different ways. Explosive offense, timely defense. It just doesn't matter. They find a way to get it done. They dominated Kansas City defensively, shut them off for the entire first half. Patrick Mahomes is very ordinary for three quarters. Then he explodes. But you know what? So does the Patriots offense. I think it was 17-7 after three quarters. They combined for... 45 points in the fourth quarter in overtime. Again, it doesn't matter what team you wanted to win. Whether you want New England to go back to the Super Bowl because you respect and just appreciate that greatness, or whether you just hate their guts, you want them to lose, does not matter. Completely compelling TV, must-see TV, and this is coming off the heels of Wild Card Weekend and the Divisional Round, which frankly were kind of boring. This, my friends, not boring at all. Yeah, what was it? I, I didn't even get the number. Forty-five points in the fourth quarter and uh, and overtime. Is that is that right? Yeah, they scored thirty-eight points in the fourth quarter. I'm sorry, forty-four points because they didn't kick the extra point in overtime. Let me just let me just tell you this. All right, that should come as no surprise to anyone who has ever followed the arcs of my gambling through the years, because your boy had the fucking under. Okay, so. <laughs> I mean, that's just, and, 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 you know, it got so good that I didn't even give a shit. All right. Uh, you know, that it was, that, that the play was, was crumbling right before my eyes as, as most of them tend to. So when new England was down by four with two minutes left and Brady had all three timeouts, did you expect that outcome? Did you expect them to come down the field and score a touchdown? I did six plays, 65 yards later, bam, new England takes that lead. I expected it. Did you? If it's week nine 
you know, say a one o'clock game in week nine or, or whatever. In a regular season scenario, yes, I would say that I expect uh, something like that to happen. When you're talking about, you know, the pressure of of a playoff game or or a a trip to the you know Super Bowl uh, hanging in the balance, even a guy like Brady. You know, I, I just I don't count those chickens before they're hatched, man. It's a lot can happen uh, in a moment like that. And, you know, I I kind of missed the play uh, a little bit. I, I got up just for a, a quick minute. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, something did happen. But, you know, some idiot lined up about a yard offside. Yeah, you know? forward. Yeah. So, you know, no, I, I, I didn't think it was a slam dunk. I've seen it happen in big spots enough times to know that, uh, you know, that a stop could have been just as likely as a, uh, as a game winning touchdown or, or what seemed at the time, like it could have been a game winning touchdown, but you know, I mean, he did. And the fact, especially that they had to get the six, you know what I mean? The fact that a field goal wasn't going to get it done, that puts right. a little added pressure on him. but he was nails, man. He was nails and he did it with, you know, with Edelman and, you know, and that's almost about it. I mean, Gronk made plays on that drive, but Gronk was an absolute and is an absolute shell of, you know, what he's been in the past, his Hall of Fame self. You got to think he's done. And, I, you know, there's no compliment to, you know, to Edelman in the receiving group. Uh, White, of course, is good out of the backfield. But, you know, this was as weak uh, a supporting cast possibly on offense that Brady's had, you know, ever since the first time around with, you know, guys like uh, Deion Branch and, and uh, Givens or, you know, whoever, a bunch of no-names, you know, he, he just he does it with precision passes in the big moments. And hey, he's the best quarterback ever, man. He's the best quarterback ever. He Just think about this for a minute. This is a Super Bowl rematch against a franchise who the last time, all right, they had this game, their quarterback has since gone into the Hall of Fame in Kurt Warner, and their coach was like a 107-year-old Dick Vermeil. All right. <laughs> and here and and here's the Patriots still doing it after that franchise and that roster and that coaching staff has probably turned over four or five times, not to mention changed cities and whatever else. That's un, un, unbelievable. It really is. And again, I know it's not a, a popular opinion to have, especially when I'm doing a podcast that's so involved with Buffalo sports, but I'm just in awe of the New England Patriots. I am. I'm in awe of Tom Brady. I'm in awe of that franchise. Nine Super Bowls in 18 years. It's just impossible for me to fathom. Let's talk about that other game, okay? Because there was another game. The Rams and the Saints had a classic. When I say classic, I'm just talking about because it was so close. Wasn't the best played game, but it was an incredibly close game. Looked like the Saints were going to run the Rams out of the out of the building real early, but the Rams played tough. They came back. I just hate that we could spend an hour talking about a game, but at the end of the day, ultimately, that game was lost, if you're a New Orleans Saints fan anyway, because of an official non-call. That was blatant pass interference and a hit to the head of a defenseless receiver. Take your pick. Did not matter. Because that was not called, the Saints did not get to run out the clock. The Rams, of course, came down, kicked the field goal to set it to overtime, win on a 57-yard field goal. A lot of times we know that officials influence the outcome of a game. In this case, dude, the referees 
flat out determined the outcome of the game. It's really sad. Um, the call was the, the non-call was terrible, but I, you know, I don't, I'm not going to go as far as to say there's no question about it. I mean, the Saints still got to punch it in, and they don't need to run the clock down. They only had one timeout left. The Rams they they could have ran the clock down about ten seconds and kicked the field goal, win the game. Just awful, dude. It's too much. Why would that have game. ended it? You got to yeah. I, I, that's a first I mean, down. He, he catches that play, or I mean, it throw a flag, which was a flag. It's first and goal from the eight yard line. The Rams only have one timeout left. They run the ball. They call their timeout on first. Oh, they run okay. it on second and third. The, they, kick. they kick the field. Okay, I got it. Yeah, I got so that, it. Yeah. I mean, that literally directly influenced the yeah, game. Not okay. influenced. It, it it made the outcome of the game what it is. The only thing that possibly could have happened is maybe the guy fumbles the snap and they missed the field goal, but that's it. You know what I mean? It's just it's just a call that that mistake cannot happen. I mean, what do you do? What If you're the NFL, what do you do to prevent something like that from happening? What do you think about this? Uh, what if the NFL... And I know the last thing they want are even more stoppages, but maybe the NFL rule committee, they could start adding pass interference calls as part of a challengeable play equation. I, I don't know how that would work, but there's got to be something to be able to prevent an official from making a call or a non-call that influences the game as much as what happened today. It just, that can't happen. Yeah, I don't hate it. I think maybe... um it uh, it can be added inside that two minute uh, frame where you know everything comes from the booth inside sure. two minutes or you know that sort of thing. I don't hate it. You know, as far as the play itself is concerned, you know, I don't have a hard time calling a, a, a terrible job by an official. Just add a terrible job, but you know, the mindset I think you get into is I'm not going to decide this game. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the problem with that is, you know, and, and it's like probably 80% or more of, you know, that thought process is I'm not going to throw a cheap one. You know what I mean? I'm not going to, you know, deciding a game, an official not wanting to decide a game is pretty much saying, you know, I'm not going to throw the flag that decides this game. The problem is, you have to be able, you know, you got to have the cojones to throw the obvious flag uh, or else you'll, you, you know, you'll influence the game, if not decide the game the wrong way. And and that's all you can do, man. All, all you can do is is instill that in the uh, in the officials, you know, in the years to come is, hey, look, you know, we don't want to decide the game, but we can't have a non-call that decides it. And that is a play that will probably be pointed to for years and years and years in, in officiating. And I'll tell you, I mean, look, it's a, it's a way, way, way different set of circumstances and stakes to say the least. But, you know, when I'm and the, 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 the sport that sticks in, in my head more than anything uh, with, with regards to this is baseball, you know, I mean, that, that, that two strike count in a in a bottom or or you know top uh, of the of the last inning rally you know can i end this game on on a punch out you know what i mean on a call third it's tough to do but you you got to just say yo a strike's a strike just like pass interference is pass interference and you know 
and you go from there and, and you just, uh, you know, you got to have the balls to, to call it as much as you don't want to decide it. But yeah, I agree. And you're right. That's a bad judge out there who did not want to be the one responsible for throwing the flag that ultimately decided a football game. I think that's what it comes down to. He got scared and he didn't want to throw that flag. It is what it is, I guess, but it just sucks because there's so many other important factors of this game that are worth discussing that are going to be overshadowed for years, maybe forever because of that non-call. For me, one of them is the Saints going up 13-0. It could have easily been 21-0. That Rams run defense especially, they kept them in the game in the first half, kept that game from getting out of hand. I mean, they completely shut down the Saints running game all day. They were pressuring Drew Brees. I thought the Rams front four was the big difference in the game. Again, especially early on when it could have easily gotten away from them. Aaron Darnold's a beast. He might be the second best player in the NFL after Tom Brady. Yeah, you know, and that's that's another reason why I, I you know, I hesitate to to put it all on on an official. And I'm not saying that that's what you're doing or whatever, but you know, this this is a team that had uh, in the Saints that had a, a you know a two score lead, home field advantage, and and you know couldn't fi- couldn't finish things. You know what I mean? Um, they had you know they they had plenty of chances to you know to to put that game away. Um, but credit the Rams, no doubt about it. And I'll tell you something else, man. All right, a big play in that game was made by Dante Fowler Jr. Credit the Rams for being proactive at the trade deadline, the in-season trade deadline and going out there and, you know, grabbing a guy who made a huge play to help them get to the Super Bowl, man. I mean, that yeah. is, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. I agree. So anyway, the Super Bowl's now set. You got the savvy veteran Tom Brady and the New England Patriots against the young upstart Jared Goff and the LA Rams. What's your level of interest in this game right now? I, I like I said, I love the storyline of how this was the Patriots' original matchup that that launched this entire dynasty. Man, I think that is, I think that's a super cool, um, you know, way to look at this thing and just to look at that Ram team, you know, and the and and the guys and how long they've been gone and how much how much has changed since it all began. And, um, and I do think this is the last hurrah. I I am ready, you know, to, uh, not necessarily to write the Patriots off entirely, but there, you know, there's enough of, uh, you know, enough evidence to say that it's, it's, you know, they're on the other side of things right now. And I don't think that, uh, you know, that, that it's gonna, that it's, I think this is it, man. I, I think, they're going to make this Super Bowl, and I think they're going to get ordinary next year. I, Let's I really have some do. silver lining in this for Buffalo fans. Let me ask you this. You said that you think this is going to be Gronk's last game coming up the Super Bowl. I'm 50-50 on that. I think you very well could be right. He does. He is a shell. He did make a huge catch still late in that fourth quarter. That was a big play. But aside from that, didn't do much after the first quarter. He had three catches. Anyway, I kind of agree with you that. But here was my question for you. Let's say the Patriots win this game. Let's say they win the Super Bowl. If you're a Bills fan, does Tom Brady win a Super Bowl and ride off? Does Bill Belichick win a Super Bowl and ride off? Josh McDaniels takes over. 
Is this going to be a topic that you think over the next two weeks we start hearing a lot about? I just think no. I mean, neither guy has ever given any impression that they don't love the shit out of what they're doing, man. I don't even think, I don't think either guy is close. I think it would be an absolutely stunning, stunning development if uh, if either one of them walked away. Okay, that's fair. I want to tie the Bills into this for a few minutes. We got to at least spend a few minutes talking about the Bills. Did you see anything from Championship Sunday that jumped out to you as something that the Bills should be trying to work on to become a championship team? Because for me, watching the defensive line of the Rams put that pressure on Drew Brees, Aaron Donald, just he's a beast. He's, he might be the best. If Tom Brady wasn't the best player in football, I probably would say Aaron Donald right now would be number two. But anyway, that Rams defensive line, and at least for three quarters, the way New England's defensive line got after Patrick Mahomes. They sacked him three times in the first half. They really nailed him down for three quarters until he went nuts. Trey Flowers was a nightmare for him. I'd have 0.0 problem if the Bills use that ninth pick on the draft on a defensive line guy. Whether it's a tackle or a defensive end, I really don't care. If that guy's good, I want him. Yeah, I I mean, I like that take a lot. Um, when we when you talk about a guy like Aaron Donald, you know, I mean, you're, you're talking about an absolute freak. You're talking about a very, very special football player, um, the likes of which, well, I, actually, I think he may have been drafted right around where uh, where, where the Bills are drafting this year. Um, but that's a that that that's a big hit. And, uh, you know, that interior pressure is, is definitely something to uh, to worry about, you know, going into next year for the Bills. So, um, uh, you know, I like I like uh, your take on, on what you saw from, you know, the championship games as it relates to the Bills. I I was ready to answer that question probably with a uh, uh, with a little bit of snark from the Patriots first half you know, and the, and, and the running game, something that I, that I still believe in, um, you know, as a way to, to, you know, to win football games, but then it turned into, you know, then it turned into an aerial assault for the second and, and all of the, you know, kind of the new wave way of looking at offense and, and winning games, um, you know, kind of took over. Like I was totally ready to rip. As a matter of fact, I think I subtweeted Tyler Dunn, um, during the course of the game about, you know, winning in January and stuff like that. You know, all these things that so many, so many people scoff at when, uh, when McDermott talks about, and it's exactly how it looked like (laughs) the Patriots were about to win today. And then that whole, that whole theory, that whole take went to shit uh, in the fourth quarter. So I I guess that leaves me with nothing. (laughs) Well, we got tons of weeks to talk about, like different Buffalo Bills positions before free agency starts. I think that starts like around March 13th. But for today, I just want to spend a few minutes talking about one position. We'll talk about tight ends. Charles Clay is going to get cut. Everyone knows that. The team's going to save $4.5 million. It's a financial move and it's a football move. He just doesn't do anything for this team anymore. That leaves Jason Kroom and Logan Thomas as the returnees. Before talking about anyone else, what's your level of confidence right now in Jason Kroom? Do you see this guy being a potential new number one tight end or does this team need to aim much higher than that? It, it all depends on just how much, you know, Dayball is, is looking to use the tight end 
you know, when his offense is, is in full throttle and we just really got no, you know, no sign of that um, or no evidence of that. I guess I should say this past year, largely because of, you know, how ineffective their number one tight end was, you know, there were times when it looked like Allen, um, you know, was looking for clay and went to clay and, and wanted, you know, to trust clay and, you know, clay put a lot of, a lot of balls on the ground. Um, and I think probably lost some of the faith that, uh, you know, that, that Allen was starting to build in, you know, in other guys. And that doesn't really, you know, leave me knowing just how much the uh, a tight end can thrive inside, you know, Dayball's offense. So if if Dayball's a guy that wants to use the tight end, that feels like Allen um, would be effective with a good tight end, then no, Jason Kroom is not the tight end that I want that person to be. I think his separation is you know, uh, skills are, are probably somewhat limited. Um, and uh, you know, I just, I, I don't think he's, he's can ever really be looked at as a weapon. Now, if, you know, the, the emergence of guys like Foster and Jones and, um, you know, some of the other, uh, usages of like McKenzie and things like that, if that, if that's more of what Brian Dayball's offense is all about, then, yeah, okay, I'll sign up for Jason Kroom as as my top tight end, you know, who's going to maybe go out and catch, you know, three balls for for 48 yards or, or something like that, help me get a big first down here or there, that sort of thing. Um, it, it, it's all riding on, you know, just how much uh, the offensive coordinator and the quarterback, um, you know, value the position. And I think we're going to find that out based upon what the Bills, you know, go out there and do with the position. I think we'll find out, you know, more about what they see the tight end position being in their offense, all right, than we do about how they feel about Jason Kroom based upon how they attack the position in the offseason. Yeah, I do agree. I don't think they're going to do a lot via free agency because I don't think it's a really good tight end class out there. Jared Cook is probably the best tight end that's going to be a free agent, but the guy's going to be 32 years old next season. Tyler Eifert, he's another guy with ability, but he's also a guy who can't stay healthy. I'm pretty confident that the Buffalo Bills are going to address tight end through the draft and maybe early. I don't know a lot right now about the tight ends that I'm reading about, but I am reading a lot about them. And from everything I've read or been told, this is shaping up to be a really deep, talented tight end rookie pool. I know that Noah Fine of Iowa and Irv Smith from Alabama and who's the other guy? Oh, TJ Hawkinson from also from Iowa. Those are the big three right now. Let me ask you this. Considering that the Bills have a position potentially of big need at tight end, a lot of holes to fill. Would you be all right if this team took a tight end as high as say that 10th pick in round two? No, not at all. Not no, no, I, it wouldn't stun me, nor would I hate it. Um, I'll say this when it comes to my interest in the draft. It it uh, it lacked a little bit last year, mainly because I knew we were going to, you know, we were going to uh, 
put a lot of assets together and go for the quarterback. You know, all you really needed to know last year was the quarterback. Now that ended up not being true, you know, for anyone that knew who Tremaine Edmonds was, you know, God bless you. Um, you know, and especially if you knew who Harrison Phillips was, but you knew, despite all the picks that the bills had last year, you knew a lot of them were getting used to trade up to find the quarterback. And that took away, you know, from, from my level of interest a little bit this year, it's going to be different this year. I want to know who the offensive linemen are, and I want to know who the pass catchers are. And that's how I refer to it. You know, when, when we talk about the draft, you know, leading up to it and, and the months, weeks, whatever, you know, leading up to it, I will talk about how the, that I want to see them get a pass catcher. And what I mean by that is I don't really give a shit if it's a wide receiver or a tight end. Um, and I really don't care if maybe they go out there and find their version of James White. I just want them to add a pass catcher. And if that pass catcher uh, ends up, you know, if the value uh, for that pass catcher ends up, um, you know, hitting in the uh, second round, um, or anytime really on day two, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm more a third round kind of guy, uh, at, at tight end. Um, then no, I don't, I don't have a problem with that at all. And yeah, I hear the same things. It sounds like it's deep. And, um, I think Kroom and an up and coming rookie from what I've seen of Dable's offense without really knowing how he wants to, um, utilize the position. All right. If I had to take a guess from, from what I've seen of his offense, I would say, Kroom and a uh, not so much, not a project guy, not a Logan Thomas, not a six rounder, seventh rounder, you know, guys changing position type bullshit. All right. But a real nice third round guy like uh, who's that guy that 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 Philly added, even though they were already sitting there with Ertz Goddard or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 Uh, You know, a guy like that guy is going to have some rookie growing pains. All right. But maybe by the midpoint of the season, or certainly as you know, as the season uh, moves on and 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 gets to year two, he blows past Jason Chrome. All I know is that I'm ready for this organization to find a dominant tight end. This is a franchise that's actually never had a dominant tight end. They've had a handful of decent, adequate tight ends, but never a dominant one. So I hope they go out and do whatever it takes to get one. I'm all about finding a new guy. I don't want Jason Chrome to be my number one in no way, shape, or form. So anyway, let's wind down. Do you have a puck drop for this week? You know what I do? It's not a big one. It was going to be the way that New England played the first half of football, and that's the way you can win football games in in January, and then you know, then it became a shootout. So I was able to change it real quick to a much uh, a much more brief one. Do you remember the play uh, in overtime where the flea flicker? Remember the the the, yep. the flea flicker and first overtime? down. Yeah. All right. Not sure if you caught this, all right? Camera went to Brady after the incompletion. He had this big smile on his face like, I can't believe we even just tried that shit ourselves, but but it was fun to do. And then in a split second, I don't know if you can picture it, all right? In a split second, he put his arms in the air and he started to like fervently wave Hogan and everyone who was downfield on the pass play back into the huddle. Okay. That is what makes Tom Brady, Tom Brady. How many times, how many times have you seen 
a long pass play and a long incomplete pass play, or especially one that had a little bit of drama to it that the announcers were talking about, you know, for, for the next 10 or 15 seconds or whatever. And all of a sudden you see the team lining up, you know, for the next snap and they're down to three seconds and they take a five yard penalty because it took everybody forever to come back in that moment. All right. In the biggest possible moment you could imagine after one of the ballsiest call plays you'd ever see in overtime, Tom Brady immediately switched from, you know, wow, I can't believe that play to get the hell back in the huddle so we don't get a five-yard penalty. That's what makes Tom Brady Tom Brady. That's solid. All right, so sometimes I have a pet peeve of the week. I was not going to do one this week, but that changed after watching the New England game. I saw people on Twitter and Facebook complaining and bitching about Tony Romo's voice sounding annoying and him talking too much, which is literally what he's supposed to do. But anyway, my pet peeve of the week are people who criticize him because I'll tell you what, this guy put on an absolute clinic and education for football fans. He was literally in that fourth quarter in overtime calling plays and things that were going to happen before they happened. When Brady killed the play at the line and then they changed it to a run where Sony Michelle ran off right tackle and scored a touchdown, he called that in real time before it happened. I remember that long play to Grock, another play over the middle on third down to Edelman. He was pointing shit out before it even happened. I'll tell you what, this guy's not just the best announcer in football today. He's the best color analyst I've ever seen in my life, ever, when it comes to dissecting football games. Nobody has ever ever done what he's doing right now i noticed it more today than i ever have before i think it was the patriots last uh last drive i don't even know if it was the overtime drive it may have been the 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 late touchdown drive and he saw the Gronk clear out you know he he nailed the edelman over the middle pass yep. two times in a row all right. He may have nailed three straight plays, bro. He may have nailed, you and know, I'm telling the, like, you, he's amazing. two Edelman and a Gronk. I mean, he's clearly watching the film. He clearly understands the coverages better than, well, I, I mean, only Jaworski, you know, comes to mind. And, nah. and he's well, I, I look, I, I look, I, I mean, Jaworski was the, was the, the original. Okay. At least as, you know, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of, you know, breaking down film as an analyst, Jaworski was an original for me in that regard. Jaws is definitely an OG. The difference for me, though, is that Ron Jaworski was in the film room breaking down games hours, days, even weeks after those games have ended, while Tony Romo's out there calling plays before they happen. It's just something that I've never seen before from a football analyst, and it just drives me absolutely batshit crazy when people criticize them. I just don't get it. Anyway, let's end the segment like we always do. I'm going to give a shout out. We didn't get to do our This Week in 80s music um, part of the show because we just ran a little bit long on time. I do, however, want to give a shout out to one of my favorite 80s singers ever, Billy Ocean. He's turning 69 years old today. Also, 30 years ago today, Bobby Brown's Don't Be Cruel album hit number one on the Billboard album chart. It was the first time he's hit number one, and it would stay there for a total of six weeks. Got anyone you want to give a shout out to? No. 
dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. All right, that is a wrap for this episode. Damn good episode. I don't mind saying it so myself. Big thank you to Kevin Sylvester for coming on and doing the show. I've always been a big fan of Kevin Sylvester and all the great work he's done in the Buffalo sports media. So that was a good gift for me. I was happy to have him on. Thanks as well to Tone Pucks. Pat with Pucks. Always enjoy doing that. Coming up on the show Friday, I'm scheduled to have Charlotte Wilder from Sports Illustrated. Really looking forward to that conversation. If you haven't done so already, I invite you to subscribe to this podcast. It's quick. It's easy. It's completely free. The benefit of being a subscriber is that once you do subscribe, new episodes automatically get sent directly to your phone or computer within minutes of the release. I usually have a new show every Tuesday and Friday. If you have an iPhone or an iPad, all you need to do is pull that bad boy out, open it up, open up that Apple Podcast app, type in Analytics Podcast under the search tab, hit the subscribe button. Literally, that's it. That's all you got to do. Bonus points if you want to leave a five-star rating or a nice review. If iPhones or iPads are not your thing, or if you prefer to get your podcast elsewhere, you can also hit us up on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere future award-winning podcasts are found. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter for updates, news, takes, podcast polls, God knows what else. It's all there. You can do that at Pat Moran Tweets. Have a good week, Bills fans. Go get out there. Get online. Get that LA Rams merchandise right now. Talk to you again on Friday. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.